Well, hello everyone. I'm your host, Cindy Ketzel. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Nine to Thrive HR. In this podcast, we team up with experts to bring you the best in HR, talent management, and business strategy. Today, I am joined by Susie Lee. And really fun story about Susie before we get started and I tell you a little bit more about her. So Susie's from Degree. But what's interesting is prior to joining Degree, Susie was at Bank of America as the SVP of the Global L&D Technology Product Management and Implementation Team. And when she was there, she successfully led the launch of Degreed enterprise-wide globally. So how cool is that, that Susie has now been with Degreed for five years. So we're excited to chat with her a little bit more about that. Currently, Susie is the SVP of Global Business Transformation and Diversity Inclusion Executive Officer uh, at Degreed. She oversees the portfolio management office by supporting the planning and execution of strategic company-wide initiatives and GTM programs to deliver the best experience for their customers. She's also led other functions at Degreed, such as the Global Business Solutions Consulting. She's been a part of client experience and revenue enablement teams. And over the last 20 years, she's also been very successful in a bunch of leadership roles in human resources, financial services, retail, loyalty marketing, and technology industry <laughs> at companies such as Lombard Insurance and Fairfax Holding Company, Loyalty One Air Miles. Oh my goodness, she's got quite a history there. She does reside in Ottawa, Canada, but she has worked internationally here in the U.S. and also in Asia. How about that for an introduction, Susie? Welcome, <laughs> welcome. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm tired just thinking about it, that you've done a lot of work. You've done a lot of great work, it sounds like. So, hey, as we get started here, I thought it would be really great for your listeners. I know you and I chatted before we uh, started up today that I'm a huge fan of Degreed. But would you, for our listeners, can you just provide a brief overview of the organization and what you're doing within it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. Um, and that introduction made me sound very old. But regardless, uh, Degreed is a learning experience uh, platform organization. We have been a great market leader and category creator in the LXP space. Um, it really is uh, an organization that helps uh, companies upskill and reskill their workforce and provides the right level of learning experiences uh, in a new way. As many of you know, um, there's a lot of traditional learning ways. And I think what Degreed was able to do was really engineer the uh, platform for the enterprise, but with really the employee at the center of it all. And so, um, you know, I've been very fortunate, not only at Bank of America as an early adopter, but coming here to see the company scale globally across the world uh, to, you know, support uh, 300 of our customers, um, you know, has been really exciting to see. Um, as you noted, I have uh, had different roles within this organization as we hit different levels of growth. 
Um, and currently, I am um, leading our business transformation office uh, and supporting company-wide initiatives um, and really excited to see, you know, how this company is evolving. Um, not only my role is really to support um, internal, but I still do a lot of client-facing work um, and talk to our customers every day because I think that's what makes it all work well and understanding our customers and how we can help to support their business objectives is really critical to everyone's success. Susie, I've been jotting notes over here and I've got already a half a page going, but I think the last piece that you mentioned, I love that you said, you know, yes, I'm doing a lot of business strategy within Degreed, company-wide initiatives, but I really appreciate it. And I'm sure our listeners do too, is that you remain client facing. And I think that's so important to just stay in touch, as you said, with what the customers need and what they desire from you all at Degreed. So what a great hybrid approach to your role. You get to really move and shake things up internally, but also uh, stay connected and, and understand the needs of your customers. That's super exciting to be able to have have a foot in both lanes, as so to speak. Yeah. And so, I think I forgot yeah. to mention to you, <laughs> I have another hat, okay. which is uh, I am the executive officer for DNI, so diversity and inclusion here at Degreed. And uh, why is that important? Why am I sharing that with you? Again, I'm doing that internally here at Degreed to support our employees. But a lot of the consulting that I've been doing is with our clients and how we can bridge uh, leveraging the capabilities of Degreed to really challenge how people need to drive DNI solutions in organizations. Because we all know that DNI is super critical to innovation and performance and all of that goodness. But um, I think uh, some of those uh, old strategies uh, have not necessarily worked. And again, I'm helping to kind of lead the way on looking at that a little bit different with the vision of Degreed. Really smart. Yeah, I remember reading that in your title. It's a fascinating a role to be in today um, and to be able, like you said, again, you know, you, you're doing the work internally, but also staying focused on the customers and how can you weave what you do at Degreed into the strategies and the initiatives and how are we getting learning out into those organizations? So what a great blend of work that you're doing. So speaking of that, then a little bit of, you know, I, again, just an understanding is how do we link or or can you speak to that link between that learning, the idea of learning, and you mentioned, as you just were sharing what your role was, the skills, right? That's what we're doing with Degreed is building on those skills and reskilling and those opportunities. So can you kind of speak to what that link between those three looks like for you? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So in the context of DNI or what's happening in the marketplace, I think, you know, the last couple of years have really challenged us, right? Um, if you think about uh, the, the social issues with, you know, Black Lives Matter or, um, you know, the Me Too movement um, and COVID and what that's really challenged us, um, you know, over the course of the last couple of years all these things, whether it's culture impact, social impact, 
all these things have really challenged us in many ways, right? Um, and moreover, I think uh, you've heard the big, you know, I'll put it in air quotations, the great resignation. Mm-hmm. I think all of this have contributed to this um, strange time where people are, um, you know, shifting jobs, moving jobs, taking career changes, um, because they've reflected on um, what they really want to do in life. Um, all these things are kind of coming to ahead. And as we think about learning and development and skills, let me just give you an example in the context of DNI. I think one of the things that we did uh, in a very innovative way is looked at what are the skills needed to drive a DNI culture. And as you look in the organization, for us, it's really about not only just pushing learning out to employees, but understanding what are the skills that you need to drive a DNI organization or um, a company of performance and innovation to support all of this. Um, and I think being able to understand those gaps um, are, are really important because obviously we don't want people to leave and investing in people's development, whether it's from a career development and personal standpoint or for the performance of the organization, it all comes together. Um, as we think about that, It's making sure that if we do have those gaps, um, that we're pushing the right level of learning, Um, we're increasing the skill levels. And I I share all the cultural and social stuff, but, you know, a lot of people were stressed that they didn't have the skills to work in a virtual environment amongst COVID, um, that maybe they don't have the skills that they need to drive to the next level of growth because things used to be predictable. And I think things are unpredictable now. Um, And I think that's where learning and understanding the skills that you have is critical to success. And if we tie it back to DNI on the opportunity side, um, I think what skills does is it allows us to look at things in an unbiased way and uh, using skills to drive opportunities for people. And it's some of the things that we're exploring now with customers to really make sure that um, working remotely, for example, like really challenges how to understand people's skills, right? Um, To to drive performance uh, in an organization. And I think using skills as the currency of work uh, is a best way to ensure that the right talent is in place to drive that. Yeah, I love skills as a currency of work. That's a, a great phrase. I, I, I used air quotes, but on paper, on that one, <laughs> skills as the currency uh, future of work. So I'm going to come back to, we've talked, we've peppered in a lot about skills and that linkage and how it ties between learning and opportunities, especially in a DNI culture um, with organizations. But before I get there, and I think you've probably alluded to this a little bit, but I want to very pointedly ask you this question. What do you think then? And then I'll come back to skills, but what do you think then is the future of learning with everything that you've just shared? Yeah, I think, um, so I rewind even back to my days at Bank of America and all the clients that have helped over the years. Um, The future of work, in my view, 
is that learning is critical to any success because I think learning helps to drive innovation and performance of an organization. But the old days of, hey, you need to go into a classroom, you need to take this learning, you need to take compliance, doesn't necessarily mean that you have the skills to drive the work. It could be a check the box exercise. And I think the future of learning really is not necessarily top down, but bottoms up, allowing employees to drive those experiences. Um, you know, not everybody learns the same. Degree does a, a paper on how the workforce learns. It's about bringing informal, formal, social learning all into one place, looking at different modalities, not just the in-class or things that you have to do, but rather it could be an article that you read on Harvard Business or um, Gartner. You know, what you do in a classroom is not necessarily ensuring that you have the skills to do the job, right? And I think it's bringing all of that experiential learning so the stuff that you're in role doing or on the job training, all those things are things that will help drive the future. And again, things are unpredictable. Uh, we need to be agile and learning should happen every day and not just in the classroom. Absolutely. I think that and I believe that wholeheartedly. I almost, I sometimes I say to my participants in my HCI classes, you're building your own portfolio of learning. It's so much more self-directed today. And organizations need, not need, but should support that idea. Because like you're saying, it could be an article from Harvard Business Review. You know, we're doing a podcast. It could be in learning from a podcast. It could be a webcast, right? You're giving these examples of this experiential learning. We're almost as employees, as constituents of our organization, we're putting together a portfolio of learning opportunities that we're interested in, yeah. right? And then, and that does fill that a little bit of that gap between, um, you know, the check the box of learning and, uh, you know, our own personal needs and professional needs, what we need to grow and innovate in our roles. So yeah, absolutely. I love, love your explanation there. Yeah. And I think if you uh, look at myself as an example, you cited all the different roles I've had. I've had multiple careers over my lifetime. And part of it is that I am a lifetime learner um, and understanding uh, what skills I need to get to my next role. The core crux of it is I've had transferable skills that I've used um, to get to those roles. Um, and I think that is one of the things in the future, as you know, uh, career pathing is not hierarchical anymore, right? It's matrix and spidery and, and you can go lateral. And I think the future of, of a learning, um, again, plays a critical role in ensuring that people can career ladder into different roles in the right way. But helping organizations understand what skills you have, what skills you don't, and as an individual understanding what skills do I need to develop to get to my next career path um, is kind of the future. And again, it's unpredictable um, because some of the skills that you need for the future, we don't know. And a lot of that's been challenged with, you know, digital transformation, whether it's in technology or even the finance organizations, uh, just as an example. Yeah, that's right. I just had a great conversation with somebody not too long ago. He had been with a company for 10 years 
And in those 10 years, to your point, Susie, he has learned now, right, all of the roles of the organization and roles yet to be, right, or skills, skills needed for those roles yet to be. And so he was sharing with me that sometimes, especially right now, as people are leaving organizations and they're not, you know, void of that, um, he finds himself going into work and they're like, hey, can you hop in and do A, B, and C? We know you know how to do it. Can you just fill that for us? And I believe that, right? As we are with organizations and growing and we make that choice to learn more and more, we can kind of move around if that skill set, to your point, is transferable, like you were saying about your own journey through yes. your career. Awesome. Thank you. So I, I, as I mentioned before, I asked you that very pointed question about the future of learning. I wanted to come back to skills because we've talked a lot about skills. So especially related to diversity and inclusion, but I want to pull in there diversity. I know equity is a part of this inclusion, obviously. And then we've added belonging. I hear this more and more, right? The DEIB, like that's the whole gamut now. So when we think about the skills that contribute to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, specifically on really fostering that diversity and enabling people to feel included, and we're building that culture of belonging in the workplace, what are those skills that we're going to need to contribute to that space? Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, we did some research with Red Thread. Um, so if you haven't had an opportunity to look at that research, um, you should go check it out. But uh, it was one of the first in kind, right? So we really wanted to dig deep into how do you drive a DNI culture, but the skills that you need from a leadership perspective or a middle management standpoint or as an individual contributor might all look a little bit different, right? And I think what was fascinating about this research um, was that there were certainly skills that um, cut across all of the different roles, um, but they were broken out by action-taking skills and personal, interpersonal, and technical skills, right? And I think um, you will see, like, whether it's belonging, inclusion... The skills were like courage, envisioning a different future, ability to empower people, assertiveness, managing ambiguity, negotiation, curiosity, mental flexibility, calculated risk-taking, nonverbal communication, rapport building, influence, but I left the best for last, pattern recognition, data literacy, and all of that looked a little bit different based on what role you actually had in the organization. And so as you think of the role of the leader, they really need to help drive uh, DNI at scale. And this is really about pushing for change, making sure that actions are louder than words, right? Like it's not lip service and um, that there's persuasion at the top of the house, right? The people that were really critical to success were the managers, and this is where the rubber meets the road. Um, managers really need to help drive this uh, and integrate it into the entire parts of the organizations because they're they're closer to the, I guess, the skills with employees and um, the change that they can make. Um, and you know, again, you know, status quo negotiation, 
these are not necessarily the skills that you're probably thinking about um, or risk taking. Um, it was probably more softer, you know, being empathetic and all that that you typically hear. And I think this is where the research that we did with Red Thread was really interesting, right? Because it brought up stuff that I never thought like pattern recognition and data literacy. Well, those things are really important to make sure that we drive change, right? Um, on the belonging side, that was very intentional for us at Degree, right? Because again, we're not about check the box exercise of, you know, hiring certain people and um, we want to build the pipeline and all of that to drive diversity, not just create hires, right? The belonging piece is making sure that everyone is heard, making sure that they're part of the decision making, that regardless of whether they're uh, a woman, man, or, you know, geographically located in um, Canada versus the U.S., like, Everyone has a place uh, within the organization and some of the skills that came about helps to ensure that we drive towards that. And I think that was the uniqueness and the way that we categorized what skills that the leaders needed to have versus the managers versus individual contributors really helped to amplify that. Yeah. So, and I hear what you're saying. I appreciate that breakdown between leaderships, mid-management, individual contributors, and we're thinking about those skills needed. And I listed through, you know, rapport, ambiguity, nonverbal skills, the courage, envisioning a new future, all of these great skills that you're listening. What do you think, Susie, when we think about that, are there specific approaches that organizations can take to develop those skills? Yeah. Um, well, again, I think if I challenge the old ways of learning, it's not putting people into bias training or diversity inclusion training. It's about bringing experiential learning. So learning from others, uh, mentorship, um, you know, again, it could go back to other modalities like um, reading articles, sharing uh, real experiences um, about what challenges certain uh, diverse groups um, and enabling that. So the big word is enabling. So how do you enable that? And I think bringing the right technologies into an organization to enable your people at all levels of the organization leaders, managers, and individuals, I think is critical to success. And I, I don't disregard all the great work done in the past, but I always say the old ways and the new ways, it's not to replace the old ways. But what I would just say on that is this really needs to be a top down, bottoms up experience. It can't be an event. It needs to be continuous. It needs to ensure that not only leaders, but individuals are enabled with technology to help educate and uh, allow people to learn amongst each other. And I think technology plays a critical role to enabling that for organizations in a very scalable, easy to execute way. Yeah, I think about a lot of things in life about this saying that you had mentioned it's not an event. And especially 
when we think about learning, having been myself, somebody who's, uh, as we were talking through your intro, being a lifelong learner, uh, kind of squiggly line through your different careers, that is the way that we should be thinking about learning, right? It is not an event. Yeah, there's there's things that we do need to do to check the box or, you know, certifications or safety or, you know, depending on regulations of an organization. But I so appreciate the language that you're using. It's continuous. Um, Individuals are enabled, right? We build our learning. We learn amongst each other. We teach each other. We mentor each other. It's all built into our day-to-day-to-day-to-day work that we're doing. It's not just a one-size-fits-all event that, like you said, like we're evolving, right? We're evolving. So we're moving past that. So What do you think, Susie, how can organizations leverage those skills then? And I know you've probably alluded to it just a little bit here, but very specifically, how do you think organizations can leverage those skills to drive that diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging? Yeah, I think, um, you know, Senior leaders, again, as I mentioned, can drive DNI at scale using those skills. Um, managers can set the conditions, in fact, can make it or break it, as I mentioned, right? Um, and the individuals are the catalyst for change in a lot of these organizations. And let us not forget about HR and DNI leaders. Um, they can provide the insights and data about the the value of DNI and the skills required. So I never got to the data, but if you enable organizations with uh, technologies um, and engage the employees in a way that the learning makes sense for them because it's delivered in uh, experiential ways or different modalities, what that actually enables you to do is see the data to be able to use those data points to drive change or you know, invest in new ways of learning. There's a lot of different uh, ways that you can apply. Data is king, as many of people know. And I think um, you know, looking at the skills component um, is, is critical to that change um, above and beyond like the traditional things. That's right. That's right. And I and I want to flash back here because you had previously been talking about, um, you know, really emphasizing around technology and, and how we can move some of this forward with technology. So, Susie, can you tell us a little bit more about that role of tech and how you see that in enabling all of this to happen? Yeah, no, thank you for that. Um, I think everyone feels the pressures of investments that organizations make. Um, And I think I go back to the predictable, unpredictable. I think what technology enables you to do is to bring speed to execution. It brings scale And if I'm talking to my L&D practitioners or HR practitioners um, as support teams, sometimes we don't get all the investment that we want, but this allows them to scale to enable the business partners and and the employees so that they can concentrate on that high impact work that they need to do to help support the business on performance. Um, And I think that is certainly what happens. The other thing is, Technology, as uh, employees uh, engage, 
It's the data that's generated so that you have insights to what is happening within your organization that you don't have full visibility and you can make business decisions around what type of content, what type of skills are people trying to learn? Because the stuff that's being pushed down at the top of the house might not necessarily be what's right. And sometimes roles, let's just say the technology organization, it's not necessarily the role of the HR team to understand because they don't do those roles, right? Um, And enabling uh, business partners and employees to help collaborate with you on what type of content, what type of skills are needed to do their work, I think is the role of technology. Um, And that helps to make sure that you're partnering together at all levels of the organization to uh, support the unpredictable. And Susie, correct me if I am wrong on this, but that's part of what Degreed offers to the customers, right? This is why, and Susie and I were talking before we got going um, about, you know, my fascination with Degreed and what you all, all are doing Um, But part of the technology that Degreed uses is to track, right? You are tracking all of those entities of learning and not just the checkbox, right? So that's how that data is available, right? Am I I correct on that? Am I thinking through that accurately? Yes, I think, um, you know, historically, we've had a lot of different systems. We had one system for formal learning. We had another place for performance support. Um, And what I think a lot of organizations didn't see was all that informal and experiential learning that people were doing. And I think um, as founders of the LXP category, it was to bring all of that learning into one place, um, whether it's formal, informal, social, experiential Um, so that it was a blend of all of those things to help develop the skills that people needed or understand the skills that organizations and managers didn't have full insight into um, and leveraging those data points to be able to take actionable, like action. It was not like putting a happy face on, I went to a class and I learned this, but rather taking action based on those skills um, and delivering those outcomes that are, you know, C-suite wants us to, right? It, it, learning is no longer just something you have to do. It's, it's really to enable organizations. And going back to what we were talking about with the great resignation, as many people know, like as employees leave, it's more expensive, right? Um, and how can you just invest in your people? We should treat employees like our customers, right? Invest in your people, um, help them get to that next level, treat them so that they're continuously evolving. When that doesn't happen, that's when they leave and it becomes much more expensive for organization from a business value standpoint. Yeah, that's right. And even within HCI, one of our best practices or, or point of views is as you mentioned, you know, treating our employees like our customers, we have that same philosophy, even as they are, you know, move into that candidate role and then move from that candidate role into an employee role. Let's treat them as we would and set those, set the parameters up as if they're our customer, right? Like using those same philosophies. So I appreciate that you uh, pointed that out. So you talked a little bit about how 
learning looks different from, you know, and, and I don't even want to call it the old ways. I think it's just an evolution, right? We're evolutionizing, if that's even a word, learning, right? Because I think there's organizations that are still playing some catch up and recognizing what you're mentioning, Susie, about what learning looks like today. So we've talked a little bit about how that's changed. But can we share with our listeners, what do you think so that we can kind of set this out there pretty concretely, what do you think is the difference between behavior and skill? We talked a little bit about learning. What do you think is that difference between behavior and skill? And how do you think that ties into improving diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging? Well, um, <laughs> it's... That could be another podcast in itself. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, there's obviously uh, synergies, right? You know, I think a behavior is like how one acts, right? Um, and and skills, certainly it's, um, this one is a tough one because I feel like um, it could be a whole section on the you know, it's, it's a little bit of the knowledge experiences. Um, it's all a combination of your personal experiences that help drive that change in behavior. And it gets really complex because as you know, some people like even have, um, the, what's the difference between competencies. And I think that's where, you know, skills is almost like, um, if you think of hierarchical of categories, you know, you can say competencies to skills, to behaviors, like, um, and I think it gets really complicated in terms of how a lot of organizations define that. But the net of it all is we want to change behavior so that there's an outcome. Um, and I think skills being the currency of helping people drive that, I think is what's important. Oh, I love that. Yeah, skills being the currency to drive the changing of behaviors. And then that all ties back into your mention earlier about how people are learning and how we're learning from each other and how we're filling those gaps um, from the old ways. Again, we're evolutionizing learning. Is it evolution or revolution? Either way, it doesn't matter moving forward, but um but yeah, oh gosh, I love that. Skills are the currency. I would uh, just add thing. there, I think skills yeah. also, um, as you know, I um, have, um, from a business perspective, skills is the language of the business, right? Yes. And I think that helps provide business value in the engagement of um, senior stakeholders in the C-suite um, to understand why learning yep. and development is important. Yes. And I go back to the tech and I go back to the data. And for people in an organization, skills is something we can measure. Like here's here's our expectation of you as a leader. Here's our expectation as a mid-manager. Here's our expectation as an individual contributor. Here's the skill that we can measure. But what you're talking about too in that learning is we need to make sure we're remembering as we're cobbling this together 
or as individual contributors are putting together their own portfolios of learning, um, that we all do learn differently, right? So we're rising to the occasion of those skill, that skill level based on how we see as an individual, how we can fulfill the need for that skill as opposed to the old way Again, I don't want to call it old way, but the traditional way. How about that? The traditional way of the checkbox, right? So we're, we're moving that forward. I love, oh, such a great, you're right. It could be a whole other podcast. <laughs> I love it. So Susie, at the end of the day, I always love this as an interviewer. Um, I love this question. Because I think it allows us to dream a little bit and dream in the context of the world that you're in. So what do you think, to wrap us up here, what do you ultimately think, what does success look like with all of this? Mm-hmm. It's a very good question. I think um, if you're showing business value, driving innovation, performance, uh, if you've got employees engaged, we know all the metrics around attrition and all those things that um, are positively impacted by investing in people and their skill development and career pathing. Um, those are the outcomes that you want to have. You know, happy employees and organization um, really translates into supporting customers, depending on the organization and company. And, you know, from an equitable or DNI perspective, uh, making sure that employees have been heard and, um, you know, they understand that they belong regardless of, you know, their differences, right? And um, having that level of engagement at all levels of the organization is, is certainly critical to success. Um, I think, you know, the organizations who don't invest and they're no longer around. And so I think it's important to be able to invest in the right level of uh, technology, right level of investment in our employees to make that successful. I love that. And I think, you know, more and more, and it, it's fortunate, unfortunate. I don't know which way to leverage this. And I don't even know if it's an and or an or, um, but I think now more than ever to all of the points that you've listed, the great resignation, building skill, um, our organization's investment in DEI and B is that we have to pay attention. We have to pay attention to your point. You know, those organizations who don't invest are no longer going to be around and now more than ever. Yes. More 100%. Than ever. And if I was to yeah. one thing with everybody, Yes. It's really about thinking differently, challenging yes. the status quo, you know, address the root cause and not the symptoms, you know, align the business and, and people strategies together and create the right conditions for the organization so that things like skills as the currency or investment in technology really helps to empower employees at all levels of the organization and you can leverage that engagement through data points to measure progress and, um, you know, change up things in a very agile and quick way to support the speed of change, whether it's in the organization or in the marketplace. 
Yeah, and I'm not even going to try to summarize that because you said it so beautifully. I think you're hitting the nail on the head with that one. So um, I'll let that ride for our listeners. But Susie, oh my gosh, thank you so much for spending time with us. I know you've been super busy this month with your organization. So we just really appreciate you taking time for us today and sharing with us your talents and and knowledge uh, with our listeners today. Excellent. My pleasure. And thank you so much for the opportunity. Yeah, we've loved having you, Susie. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thanks to all of you out there, our Nine to Thrive listeners. I will be back next week with a brand new episode. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating. Your rating helps other professionals and talent-minded people discover our program. For Nine to Thrive HR and all of us here at HCI, we appreciate you for tuning in. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day.